Kids Comics. Hey, Michael. Yeah? We need to do a new promo. A new one? A new one. Why? Because we've moved. Moved? Moved. We've moved to a new place. We still read comics. We do. We still talk about comics. Because you can't do a comic book podcast unless you read and talk about comics, because that's kind of stupid. But now, we have a new episode, still available every Thursday, but at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Hey, Kids Comics! So remember, Hey Kids Comics has moved to twotruefreaks.libson.com. Still, every Thursday. That'll do, won't it? Yeah. I don't know for certain. Hell, I don't know anything for certain because you won't tell me where you're getting your information. When the towers came down, you were in a hotel in Mexico. I was here. I was working. Didn't even know about the attacks until that evening. You see, Mr. Reese, until that day, I had spent the better part of my life making myself very rich. Suddenly, all that money didn't seem to amount to much. After the attacks, the government gave itself the power to read every email, listen to every cell phone. But they needed something that could sort through it all. Something that could pick the terrorists out of the general population before they could act. The public wanted to be protected. They just didn't want to know how they were being protected. So when they finally got a system to work, they kept it secret. So how do you know about it? I built it. We all feel better. In the dark. We all feel better. We all feel better. In the dark. In conclusion. If you find yourself falling asleep, having a dream child in the middle of a nightmare, while you're trying to wake up when you're being chased by a guy with razors on his fingers, and you don't know it's a new nightmare, and then you got Jason, he's got an axe, got Kelly Rowland, she's not saying, nightmare baby, nightmare baby, nightmare baby, nightmare baby. License to ill flow. H-Y. Once upon a time on a Super Bowl night Two guys from BK brought the points to life Gave you some previews and some laughs Was it no big thing, no one thought it would last Then one started growling at the mention of a chick The other guy would lose it every time he got pissed Next thing you know they got a good fan base So they said, what the hell, let's continue the pace No stone uncovered, they will take on a topic Might bring on a guest and together they rock it Cause they're in like Flint, two mices are cool If you don't know the beautiful one, they'll take you to school I'm talking about Tom, DJ, and Derek Ferguson The best podcast out, hands down, it's set So in the tub, in the car, if you're chilling in the park Welcome to another show of Better in the Dark See, usually you would be 
hearing Tom with one of his patented intros. Doing one of my stupid voices. But he doesn't have one, and I can kind of understand that because this is a kind of different episode. We're calling it the latest in our series of BITD autopsies, but the patient is still living. Here's the thing. It's a still living right. body. It's not, When you we know, first started the BIT autopsy, Back in the episode 103 or thereabouts? Yeah. What it was was that we were dissecting shows that had failed and trying to figure out why they failed. But we always stated at the very beginning that not only were we going to occasionally do things that failed, right, which is what we've been doing with the autopsy, but we'd also occasionally take something that was succeeding and try to dissect it to find out what was working. Right. This is the case right now, in that we are dealing with a show that is in the middle of its second season that is being very successful. And we're going to try to figure out why in the next hour and change. Mm -hmm. And we are, of course, talking about the only CBS drama show I will watch. Although, I've been watching Vegas. Yeah. Because I want to see just how close they're getting to Crime Story every week. Okay. Would you believe I have not seen a single episode of that show yet? Allow me to demonstrate a typical episode of Vegas. Okay. I'm Dennis Quaid. I'm all glowery. And I'm Michael Chiklis. I'm all glowery. I'm all glowery, yeah. Let's glower at each other, Michael. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I have not seen a single it's, it's, episode of that show yet. It hasn't quite annoyed me yet to the point where I want to get rid of it from, from my watch pile. But I noticed the same thought that came to John Drew when he watched it is that we had this story before. It was called Crime Story. And it was yeah. kind of done a lot better. It was done a lot better. Well, that's the feedback I'm getting from people who have seen it. They say it's okay, but it's not as great as you would expect mm -hmm. from a show that has Dennis Quaid and Michael Chiklis in it too. And it's being written by Nicholas Pelleggi. Yeah, yeah. They said it's not quite there yet. I don't know why it had to be a period piece. I don't know. But the funny thing is, it's probably the most successful period piece mm -hmm. of all the period pieces that were obviously inspired by Mad Men. Yeah. Well, we had the bloodbath last year yeah. where we saw Pan Am and... The Playboy Club. Three episodes, Three folks. episodes. Shoot, that sucker got... I think Pan Am lasted, what, about six or eight? They let it run its 13-episode commitment. When you have a show, and you would figure that a show with Christina Ricci in a stewardess uniform... Right. I think I watched the first two episodes. And I, I watched said, you the know, first episode. I got so pissed off by it, I said, screw this. You know what I understood? They didn't get what they were doing? The back to knife thing. Right. At the end when they had the students right. doing the slow walk through the thing and they were playing Mac the Night. I said, they don't get it. Well, part of the thing is, especially CBS shows, because CBS shows have kind of made this into a little cottage industry, but all these terrestrial networks are really pushing soundtracks. They put a lot of popular music in unnecessarily so they can push soundtracks at the end of the season. Yeah. And it's really annoying in the case of Vegas because what's going on is they'll have period music, but for key dramatic things, all of a sudden will come a contemporary pop song. It, it jars you out of the world, so to speak. Yeah. Not that, that yeah. you're entirely in the world. Mm -hmm. Because one of the genius things about Crime Story is that there weren't a lot of recognizable names on that show. As opposed to here, where you've got Dennis Quaid and Michael Chick, and James Russo, and they're like a, Dennis Quaid's brother is played by somebody pretty famous too, whose name escapes me. But it's really kind of annoying because that's not Sheriff What's His Face, that's Dennis Quaid. But we're not talking about no. everybody say, wait a minute, aren't this we'll be and talking about? Say, another, let me say, before we move on, I'll say this: now that I have actually watched, and you and I have talked about this, because Lisa Edelstein was on an episode, I actually watched an episode of Elementary, and I can almost see what CBS is saying when they say it's not really like Sherlock, right? 
It is obvious that even though they're taking the same idea, Sherlock in the modern day, whoever is running that show is, it has a much different intention. That's the feedback I've been getting from people. Again, this is another show I haven't seen. And folks, I always get this from you guys. Whenever I say, well, I don't watch this show, well, why don't you like it? It's not that I don't like it. I have so much stuff already that I watch. I just cannot make the time to invest to watch something else now. That's just it. I have not seen this whole season of Sons of Anarchy yet. They're on my DVR. I'm going to sit down. I'm probably going to watch it in a marathon session this Sunday. We're recording this on a Friday. It'll probably be Sunday when I get around to doing it. Not only the TV shows that I watch, but the movies that I watch. So when I say I haven't seen something, don't just assume I don't like yeah. it or I hate it. But it really pisses me off when I get that. When I say, well, I don't watch something. Well, what do you got against it? Why don't you like it? It's not that I don't like it. It's just I don't have the time. I only sleep five hours a night well, as it is now. Because there really wasn't anything that jumped out at me and said I had to watch it this year. The only two things that I've kind of added to my queue, and I don't watch a lot of television to begin with, except during football season, is Vegas, and that's on a week-to-week and the Mindy Project, which I've been loving. Yeah, now I love the Mindy Project. Although they've got a new showrunner and they're going to retool it over the, the oh, holiday break. Oh, God. Which is something that we're going to point out. Finally, we might as well finally tell. We're talking about, of course, the Jonathan Nolan, J.J. Abrams collaboration, Person of Interest. Yes. Which is a CBS show. I think they just finished up as of this recording. Next week, I think, is going to be its final episode before the winter break. Right. This is the second season. The second season. And it's a show that has garnered a lot of interest in our writing community that Tom and I inhabit right. because we know a lot of people who are knowledgeable about Pulp, pulp Fiction. Pulp in Fiction. Fact, when the first episode aired, Ron Fortier came on Pulp Factory mailing list and said, this is... Operator 13. Yeah, he said this is like one of the most Pope-inspired things yeah. he's seen in quite a while. And you watch it and you say, yeah, it is. In a strange way, it's a superhero show without being about superhero. Show. This is what I think Jonathan Nolan's brother, Christopher, wanted the Batman films to be. Yeah. It's one of the smartest shows I've ever seen. It's got a premise that on the surface of it, you would say that this couldn't work, but it does. And it probably works a lot better than it should. And that's a tribute to the it's writing. A com- it's a combination of the writing, the direction, yeah, and the cast. Let's not sell the cast short. And also, just like one of our favorite shows that was mangled to death, it's like a mini-movie every yeah. week. We're, of course, talking about the subject of our first autopsy, The Human Target. The Human Target, yeah. But Personal Interest is like a mini-movie every week. Like You can watch the episodes as standalones, but if you follow the whole series, there's this whole wonderful tapestry that Nolan has been building since the first episode. Yeah. And it, what's fascinating is, for example, in the most recent episode, episode that aired yesterday, you and I talked when we conceived of this episode, we were talking about how they got rid of HR. Not so fast, my friend. Not so fast, yeah. Not so fast. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to probably watch it too. I'm probably going to watch it after we finish. Yeah. Well, I've got it up on the... B.I.T.D. Jumbotron yeah. now. So we're going to be watching it as we're talking to you about it. Mm-hmm. So, Tom, briefly take us through the premise of okay. Person of Interest. Person of Interest is the story of two men. Got Harold, it. I think. Harold is ha- Harold, who you guys will know from Lost. Lost. Was so memorable. In 2002, Harold's friend and he, shaken up by 9-11, one of the few times I will say that 9-11 was used effectively, mm-hmm. decide to get together and has a gift to the government, create a computer program that will monitor all the various surveillance that's Mm -hmm. going on in the United States 
States mm -hmm. and isolate potential threats to the United States mm -hmm. so that the CIA can stomp them out before they become a situation. However, for reasons that we don't yet know, we know that something terrible happened. There are a couple of things. Something terrible. And the fact that Howell kind of realizes he's created some form of artificial intelligence. Intelligence, yeah. Because as we see in some yeah. episode, the machine learns. Yeah. And it's thinking and it's saying, okay. It, it fixes Harold up with yeah. his whoopee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Something happens to Harold's partner. We, we don't know what that is. Something terrible happens to Harold because the Harold we see in the 2003 segments is not the Harold we see in the 2013 He doesn't segments. have the limp. He doesn't have the limp. He's a lot more human, shall we say. Yeah, He's a lot a, more outgoing, a yeah, lot, more, a lot friendly. more friendly. Yeah. He decides to create a backdoor into the program because he realizes that the computer is also picking up danger signs from average every from the individual, crime. yeah. So he decides he's going to do something about it. Taking up residence in an abandoned library, he searches for an agent that will go out and protect these people. The leg man. Which he finds in Reese, a man with a shadowy past. A former black ops. Yes. Agent who did some questionable things in his past. And when we meet him, he's an alcoholic mess. Yeah. But... He's still badass enough yeah. to whip the ass off of three guys that try to mug him on the subway. And in fact, he is interviewed at that incident by the next character, played by Thomas Tajiri P. Henson. Mm -hmm. who finally, by the way, gets herself a, a, a romantic interest. Everybody else got a romantic interest. Even Fusco gets a romantic yeah, interest Fusco, before she got one. I, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. There's somebody for everybody. Yes. Even Fusco. <laughs> when Reese is contacted by Harold and becomes his agent, mm -hmm. the man in the black suit, as he's known in the yeah. media, whenever the computer finds a person in trouble, he communicates the social security number to Harold, who finds the person, Reese goes out in the field, and locates and stops the problem before there it happens. Right, they're either the perpetrator or the victim. They don't know which right. is which, so which means that Reese has to follow them around and find out, well, are they going to commit the fact, crime or are they going to be the victim of the crime? One of my favorite characters in the series comes about because of a misunderstanding yeah. of who he is. Right. But they, we'll get to that later. And so, Harold and Reese, along with, what is Tajiri P. Henson's character's name? Look it up, because it I up. can't remember. Every time I look in her eyes, I can't think. <laughs> but she plays a police detective yeah. who works with Fusco, who was a crooked cop at first, that originally was supposed to kill Reese and mm -hmm. bungled it. So Reese turns him and says, well, Jocelyn Carter. Carter, right. Detective Carter. Nobody ever calls her by her first name. Everybody calls mm -hmm. her Carter. Fusco was supposed to kill Reese because he was part of that HR and he bungled it. So Reese turns him and says, well, listen, now you work for me. And that's how he gets a lot of his information because, of course, Fusco has got right. all the databases and, and everything like that. one of the brilliant things about why this show works. Nolan realizes we're not idiots. Yeah. And so he realizes that if he had Reese and Harold evade the law throughout a whole season, Detective Carter would look like a moron. Exactly. And he established very early on that she was a former MP. She's very tough. Yeah. As a matter of fact, in a very telling episode, this is one of the moments that had me with my jaw hanging open. I said, oh, holy shit. It turned out she was in the military had yeah. the same job as an interrogator that yes. Reese had which you find out you say oh my god this woman used to torture people so she's not to be fucked with yeah but what they do is midway through the first season they have her figure it out that 
that was the the seasonal break finale last year, where she confronts him finally. And she ends up working with him, and they end up creating this kind of cool little team, this four-man team, mm-hmm. with Finch and Reese doing most of the work, but with Carter and Fusco coming in to help Right. On a situational basis. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we have the other satellite character, uh, including some really effective chase villains. For example, we have Zoe. Right. Who is the political fixer, paid by Paige Turk, who I think is kind of sort of meant to be Reese's romantic interest. I think, yeah. I think from the way that they've been going, I think that's how it's going to develop. There's that whole episode this season where he's protecting the news reporter and he gets into her circle, so to speak, mm-hmm. by pretending to be an online dating site. Yeah, yeah. And she out and out says at the end of the of the episode, you're kind of hung up on Zoe. They find ways to do humor, but it's a humor that's not at the expense of the characters. No. Like the episode where Reese is incapacitated and he's got to send Harold out. Harold yeah. has got to be the leg man and he's at home with the computer. And it's a very... The episode fu- where, he's, where he's confined it's to a, the, the it's, office It's building. a very funny episode. Yeah. Now, the other thing is is that you've got these four excellent actors who know oh, how to yeah. play comedy. And the thing that's great is that, that Caviezel has very low-key delivery. He's got a terrific deadpan delivery and he says funny things, but he doesn't say in a funny way, which actually, I don't know, this is a paradox. It makes it funny because he's not saying it in but every once in a while you see he'll give this little secret smile that he knows what he's doing. Yeah, I I think that he takes it on himself just as Harold helped him out of that dark pit. I think Reese, in his own way, is trying to help Harold out, which is why we had the introduction of Bear, the dog. Yeah, as yeah. As a companion. And at first, I was like, I, I don't want to touch this thing. He don't want to do But in that whole episode, that was the memorable two-part mm-hmm. episode where Harold got kidnapped. Reese realized that he needed to have an early warning system so this wouldn't happen right. again. So he said, well, you got to have this dog because I can't be there all the time. And you can see where Harold is getting more and more attached to the dog because there was one episode where he kept moving the bed closer yeah. and closer yes. to the dad. And it's now to the point where he, as a matter of course, takes Bear with him whenever he ventures outside. Yeah. Then you have a couple of characters who are satellite characters in the police department. Mm-hmm. You've got the CIA character. You've got the CIA guy, yeah. And what's up with him? You know, what's his deal? Snow? Because Carter called up the CIA yeah. and they said, well, he doesn't work for us anymore. And mm-hmm. she said, say what? <laughs> she said, but I just saw him. And then they asked, well, where did you see him yeah. at? What was he doing? You said, whoa, wait a minute. Okay, where's this going now? Well, it has something weirdly to do with the Black Ops squad that Reese worked for before he went for he down bottomed the out. Yeah, before he bottomed out. Because yeah, we occasionally see flashbacks to him working with this squad, which is headed by Kara Stanton, who we're supposed to believe is dead, but we get the impression might not be dead. Yeah. But we, I guess we should start mentioning, one of the great things about this show is that Nolan has created some really legitimate chase villains. What? Some of the best chase villains since Josh Whedon did the chase villains on Buffy. But before we get to that, yeah. I just want to mention, one of the things I love about this show mm-hmm. is that it's not content to stay with the status quo. Mm-hmm. We could have had five seasons of it just being Reese yeah. and Harold doing their thing, but it's not. Everybody in this show has their own. Fusco has his own story. Right. Carter has her own story. Well, yeah. Everybody is developing in different well, ways that we don't expect. But we're compelled to keep watching yeah. just to see where I mean, it's going to go. The fact that we saw Fusco on a date recently. <laughs> yeah. The way that they play it, because of course Fusco's been deeply involved in the, the HR storyline. Right. 
which is HR is one of the three, well, now that there's four, but mm-hmm. one of the three major chase villains in the show. Nolan, not content like most people to create one chase villain, creates three. We co- should mention that the guy who created this, because a lot of people yeah. mistakenly believe it's that Christopher, Christopher it's- Nolan who directed the Batman yeah. movies, created... This no, is his, it's brother. his brother, the screenwriter. And you know the weird thing about the... Have you ever seen the two of them together? No. Christopher Nolan speaks with a British accent. His brother mm-hmm. does it. <laughs> Seriously. You see him, his brother talks like a yeah. guy from New Jersey. But a lot of people mistakenly say, because okay. I have talked to people, oh yeah, the guy that directed the Batman movies, right. he created... No, it's not. This is his brother. So let's make that clear. So, when we, so now, yeah. go ahead. When we first meet Fusco, he is involved with HR, mm-hmm. which is a illicit ring of corruption police officers who are seeking to control crime in New York City. See, they don't exactly mind crime as long as they're yeah. getting the cut out of it. They're trying to control it because they figure it's going to go on anyway, but if we can make a little profit off of it, we can keep it contained. Which to me, and I know that you're going to go into yeah. this when you talk about the villains, the villains in yeah. this TV show are very reasonable in what they do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, my favorite villain, we might as well bring him up now. Well, go ahead and sir. We might as well bring up Elias. Yeah, go ahead. Without a doubt, my favorite of the Chase films. He was introduced, I think it was the fifth episode of season one. And the concept was... There was this poor school teacher who is somehow run afoul of the Russian mob, and mm-hmm. Reese has to go out to Brighton Beach to save him. Throughout the episode, we see Reese working with this guy, mm-hmm. and he seems totally nice. He's played by Enrico Calatorio, one of my favorite television actors. Right. And then we find out that he's Elias, this mm-hmm. mysterious figure who's been seeking to unify the mob bosses. In because Elias, who's a very very smart man, figures the biggest problem with organized crime is we're too busy finding each other. It's not organized. Right, it's not <laughs> Crime would run better if I was running it. And the great thing about Elias is he's one of these guys that literally you don't know what he's going to do when he shows up next. Right. Because Colin Tony plays him totally reasonable, he never raises his he voice. He never raises his voice. He talks to you like you're yeah. just as intelligent as he is. Yeah. He doesn't look down on and anybody. He respects both Finch and Reese. He has nothing but respect for these two people. And he tries to explain to me, I'm not at cross purposes with you guys. Yeah. I'm all for order as long as I'm the one in charge. It's, it's weird how all of these major figures are all in some way looking for order, which leads us, of course, to Root. What do I always yeah. say is my rule of the best mm-hmm. bad guys? The best bad guys don't think they are the bad guys. Right. They think, that, well, listen, what I'm doing is perfectly reasonable. And a lot, and a lot the scary thing about him, like we're going yeah. to talk about Root, if you listen to him long enough, you'll be sitting there. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah you're right. I, you're <laughs> yes. You should mention, once again, this is an expertly cast show. Enrico Colantoni, who is very unassuming. Bald guy, kind of short. If you looked at this guy when he was in that TV series Just Shoot Me a few years ago, and you look at him, you wouldn't believe it's the same guy. I became a fan of his when he played Veronica Mars' father in Veronica Mars. Oh, okay. And he had very much of a similar act that he was very reasonable, but if he had to go crazy, he would go crazy. Elias is very much like that. He is Mm. just, ends justify the means. I'm making the city a better place. Root wants to make this world a better place by eliminating the human factor. Yeah. She's a little bit more global in her thinking. Once again... (laughs) Expertly cast, played by the absolutely wonderful actress, Amy Acker, who is very cute. 
Oh, very. Very, very cute, but looks like just the average girl next door. But I think I'm not hesitating. This is probably the smartest person in the room. I am going to go so far as to call her the ultimate sociopath. Oh, God, yes. You know me. I have read so much. I have watched so much TV and movies and read so many books and comics that, yeah, okay, villains. I can honestly say she is one of the few villains I've ever seen in any media that actually scares me. Because mm -hmm. I could actually see a person like that in real life. Right. She is very reasonable. Right. If you listen to her long enough, she'll convince you of what... I mean, what throughout that whole three-episode arc, the finale of the first season and the two episodes of the second season... Right, where Harold was you kidnapped. You get the impression she wants Harold to be her buddy. Her buddy, yeah. She wants Harold to be her father figure. And mom. she's not ranting or raving. As a matter of fact, this is what makes her so great. Mm -hmm. She's a little bit in awe of what he's been able to accomplish. Because as she yeah. says to him, do you realize what you did? You created life. life. You created a machine that can actually think and take action for itself. That whole that line whole, that she has where he says, I'm never going to give you the machine. I designed it so that it would prevent people like you from using it. And she goes, oh, I'm not planning on using it. I'm planning on setting it free. And you know what I told you? <laughs> My thinking, I think she actually wants to mate with the damn thing. She's the closest thing we have to a character with superpowers in this yeah. thing. Because she has that weird computer mind where she... Yeah, right, what? yeah. Because she, she runs through the computer yeah. game that her friend's been working on. And this was when she was a little girl. A little, she was 14 years old. Yeah. The game her, her friend's been playing for six months and can't get past a certain level. She runs through the entire game in like five minutes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, but that particular episode was so well done because we're led to believe that the friend is Root. Is Root. And then it turns out, no, it's not. It's the... The other girl, and then you say, oh, shit. In fact, the girl that we've been following, assuming a root as a child, mm -hmm. is the one who, who ends up being murdered. Who was the one in Rye? finds the person who murdered that girl. Root says, okay, you got a free pass. Yeah, well, she calls him up. To, and and thanks I, him. Yeah, yeah, thanks him. Says, listen, I want to thank you for finding my friend and giving her some closure and making sure. Then how does he respond? He says, okay, cool, but don't ever come near us again. See, now, for anybody else, if Reese told them that, they would do it. Because <laughs> Reese, he is one of the best badass characters I've ever seen on TV. Mainly because, again, he's reasonable. I don't think he's ever raised his voice on no. this show. He just says what he's going to do, and then he goes ahead and right. he does it. And he does it very efficiently, very quickly, very catchy. Jim Caviezel is one of these roles that you look at him and you can't think of anybody. I try to say, well, who else right. could play Reese? Nah, nobody else could do it. It's just really masterful, as you say, casting. The the right. roles are cast perfectly. The actors are picked and, perfect. And there and, are episodes, obviously, he has to take a different role every episode. A different identity, if you will. And he slides into them so effortlessly. And becomes a dock worker or a bodyguard. Or a, I think one episode, he had to be a... He had to be the bodyguard to yeah, the Iranian the princess. Iranian. He has become a guard for mm -hmm. an armored car. But see, that's what he was trained to do. To effortlessly slide. To infiltrate. Right. That's why they only know him as the man in black. Because he doesn't make himself stand out. He does everything he can to blend it to the background. One of the things I really liked about this three-episode thing yeah. is that it kind of... I love the way I could see how him and Harold are really becoming friends. Yeah. And you can see he's really concerned about him. When he makes actual plea to the machine. Yeah. Because the machine just wants him to keep well, on doing his job. Because the thing is, is that the machine was given programming by Harold because the machine was looking out for Harold. And Harold said, take me out of your equation. Yeah. I can't have you doing that because mm -hmm. then we will never achieve what we want to achieve. Right. Reese has to persuade the machine to break its own programming. Which... 
brings me back to the thing. Yes, Harold has quit because it learned. When he makes that plea to it, he says, listen, I'm not going to keep doing this. Right. You have to help me find him. That's what you do. And what does the machine do? The machine says, hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. And he goes ahead and he helps him find him. Right. And I said, oh, what? The thing is learning. Mm-hmm. The thing has become its own sentience. And wow, that in itself is a mind-blowing concept that this guy, Harold, where did this guy come from that he could create this thing? Well, we're still learning. What? happened that brought Harold to that point where we first saw him in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Just like we're still learning more about Reese and what happened to Reese. And we see they had that great episode where we had the guy, and for a while you thought that was Harold's son, but it's not his yeah, son, it's, it's the son of his the, best friend right. who helped him build the machine. Because that's where I thought they was Nathan going. Ingram. It was going. I said, oh, well, this must be Harold's son. The way yeah. he was acting, and then you find out then, no, it's, that's the son of the best. I said, oh, wow. And here's some things that I think is the reason why this show works. Mm-hmm. First off, CBS has kept its grubby hands off of it. Yeah, they've left it alone. Now, granted, I have taken CBS to task in the past, but CBS doesn't seem to want to tinker with their shows. They let their showrunners do what they want to do. If the show is working, they leave it alone. They don't touch it. Like, if you know, we talked about the CSI. They have not messed with that franchise Mm -hmm. in what, and CSI has been on for what now? Like, a decade. And I'm talking about the core show, not the Mm -hmm. spin-off. CBS has got the good sense, unlike Fox yeah. or NBC. NBC. God, well, you know what I'm dreading right now from NBC. What? What the horrors that the second season of Smash is going to bring. Oh, God. Because they fired the creator. Because, and I will quote directly from the article, they said, my characters wouldn't do that. And I'm like, I'm the creator. I should know what my characters would do. You would think. So they hired a new showrunner who is the person who was the showrunner for Gossip Girl. First thing they did was fire five regulars. Well, of course, a new broom sweep. Yeah, queen. although they say some of these characters will... You fire everybody that was loyal to the person yeah. who worked before. That's the first thing you do. They're gone. They're yeah, gone. and they're going to introduce new characters, including one played by Jennifer Hudson, who is probably going to, as you said, try to get Catherine McPhee to... Lose even more weight. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute, but she doesn't have much weight left to lose. But Jennifer Hudson, from what I've been hearing, you know how people will stop smoking and then all of a sudden they go on like this crusade to get Mm -hmm. everybody else to stop smoking or people become born-again Christians and they want everybody to get saved? Yeah. Well, apparently Jennifer Hudson says she's been losing weight. Everybody has to lose weight now. Yeah, Kelly Clarkson. Good for you. Now, I love Kelly, but good for you, Kelly. Oh, she told her in no certain terms. You go get fucked. Look, you know, you if, are, if you lost weight, fine. Kelly, you are totally hot the way you are. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong. And Matter of fact, there was nothing wrong with Jennifer Hudson the no. way she was. She's got a little baby fat, but that's perfectly fine by me. It's fine with me, too. Me, fine with Chris Munn and a lot of other people me, I know. Me, I have to like women who look like yeah. women. I'm sorry, but I don't like women who look like 12-year-old boys. Yeah. And if that's the type of woman you like... That's fine. That's why God in his infinite wisdom made everybody different. So that we can all enjoy what we like. So, yes. Kelly Clark said yes. We like Kelly Clarkson. Yeah. There we go. Do we ever. Do we ever, yes. And she's a football fan, too. That's a, oh, well, see, there's, a, well, yeah. see, there's a plus for you. That's right. But anyway, the thing that you'll notice about most CBS shows is that they tend to keep the same show. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to Fox and NBC. Where well, they don't mess with it. Yeah. If you got something that works, why are you going to tinker with it? You got a top-rated show. To this day, it still baffles yeah. me and Tom why they thought that they needed to mess with that show. Because the human right. target was perfect. Perfect the way, way it was. was. There wasn't any reason to have, But, of course, they said, well, we need more women to watch yeah. the show. Why? 
<laughs> and the other thing is, is that it's managed to avoid that kind of same. Because that's the other thing that always bothers me about CBS shows is they tend to have a sameness to them. Even Hawaii Five O now is beginning to look n- no different from CSI and NCIS. Well, you mentioned in private yeah, conversation that, we've a lot had more that, that you become disturbed by the unnecessary gruesomeness. Gruesomeness, yeah. That you name, which I honestly think the CSI franchise has run its course because and I think you told me that. This year, Gary Sinise, he's tired of doing it. Yeah. And I think when Gary Sinise leaves, that's it. They're not going to recast him. They're just yeah. going to let that go. And I think that the core... Well, Miami shit, already fell. Yeah. But and that had a pretty good run. Yeah. That, was, that ran for, what, like seven years? Something to that effect, Well, yeah. it ran long enough so that... Because that was number two, wasn't it? That was in, the second one. CSI was one, New York was two, okay. and Miami was three. And they actually were talking about doing a fourth one, but since CSI Miami wasn't doing as well You're in right. the rate, it did okay, but it never did as good in the ratings as New York. Out of curiosity, or what was their planned destination? Boise, Idaho. <laughs> Again? Yeah. <laughs> no, they were going to Los Angeles. They got their Los Angeles base shut Oh, uh, yeah, well, they went with NCIS, Los Angeles. Now, did NCIS ever cross over with CSI? No. Okay, because Not NCIS and Hawaii Five O belong in the same universe, because yeah. we have seen that for a fact. There's the female character who shows up, the generic-looking brunette, who mm-hmm. showed up in a couple of episodes in the first season and the second, who was apparently McGarrett's love interest, uh-huh. who worked for NCIS Los Angeles at mm-hmm. one point, and now she's a regular on Hawaii Five O. Now, a rumor that I heard... Yeah. I don't know if this is confirmed or not, but I was watching an interview on, I think he was on Craig Ferguson, Tom Selleck, and they asked right. him, have you ever been approached about coming back and doing Magnum? And he said, yeah, well, we've talked about it a couple of times. He said, it comes up to do a reunion. Yeah. So he said, just getting everybody together. To, and then he mentioned, I have been asked to come on Hawaii Five-O. Oh, right. The new one, audience say, hey! You know, he said, I have been there. He said, I don't know if it's going to happen. Don't start me lying. But he wouldn't mind doing it. No, the two... NCIS shows, they've crossed over. over. But no, as far as I know, they have not done a thing. And I know the CSI shows. They do cross over. Yeah, they do cross over, yeah, from time to time. But they did a thing where David Caruso had to come from Miami to New York. And then him and Gary Sinise, then they went to to Las Vegas. Then they went to Vegas. I remember that. I remember that that big event. But so far... It looks different from the others. Yeah. Now, I don't think it does entirely location shooting. There are episodes that you can see were not shot in New York, but there are right, also episodes about, yeah. that are definitely, no doubt about it, shot in New York. Oh, yeah. Me and Thomas having a conversation before we decided, which is usually how yeah. these episodes are planned out. And you can see that there are some episodes where they really go out of their way to make it plain. Mm-hmm. This is in New York. Where we'll right. see Reese Walker down the street. And you can recognize yeah. the street signs. Which in a lot of TV shows you can't do. So they deliberately leave it like a little bit unfocused so you right. can't read the street signs. But you can tell where they are. And then there's other shows you say, okay, this is kind of dicey. But still you don't mind. Yeah. Because well, we had an episode, a large portion of which took place entirely in Bryant Park. We've had episodes that take place in places that are very recognizable areas Mm -hmm. in New York. Unfortunately, then you have the episode, like the episode that you talked about that took place in Brooklyn that was nothing like Brooklyn. Or the episode this season that took place supposedly in Rickaway Park, which was nothing like Rockford Park. Right. Because I think in that episode they mentioned that, oh, well, this is on Nostrand Avenue. And I said, that's not Nostrand Avenue. That looks nothing like Nostrand Avenue. (laughs) I know that's on a back lot someplace. Mm -hmm. That's not Nostrand Avenue. But because it's had the same showrunner, it's been given a consistency of style, a consistent look, and a consistent attitude, which is 
very pulp, very downbeat. And it works. It can be gritty crime drama, they can be kind of humorous the next week. And I think, once again, it's just being smart enough to cast these people Mm -hmm. who are definitely great actors, people who are kind of a cut above television. Yeah, they are. And you hit it right on the head. Everybody is a cut above what you would really kind of expect. They definitely go 110% mm-hmm. from everything. I'm so glad to see Taraji P. Henson, yes. who I've loved ever since I've seen. And God bless her. 50 years who? old and she's posing for Playboy. Ooh. Can you believe that woman is 50 yeah. years old? And one of the most gorgeous women I've ever seen. I've loved ever since I saw her in Benjamin Button. I well, saw she was her on Boston Legal for a season, remember? Yeah, right. Hated that character. Yeah, couldn't stand the character. But I loved her. And in this show, one of the things that I really like about it, being a person of color, I always appreciate it when I can watch a show that has an intelligent black woman. An intelligent black right. woman. People acknowledge that she's beautiful, right. but they treat her as a professional. If you notice, Reese treats as nothing less than a professional right. just like him. As opposed to Fusco, who he treats sometimes like a joke. Yeah. And that's another thing, the characterization yeah. of this, because you can see Fusco is coming along where well, he when was... When we first meet Fusco, he's, he's a, a sleazeball. He's a sleazeball. Yeah. But during the course of this year and a half, we see him becoming a cop again. Yeah. Being reminded of what he got into this for. Right. That sense he had of what he really was supposed to be doing, of being a cop, has become reawakened in right. him. Which is why, even though he's in the HR organization has an undercover agent to keep an eye on them for Reese and Finch, he's just uncomfortable with it. And yeah. he will, will turn and say, no, I'm not doing this. Yeah. He's going back to the light side, right. in other words. And he doesn't want to slip back because he better than anybody else knows how easy it is to let himself slip back into right. what he once was. And I get the distinct feeling he doesn't want to do that anymore. No. And he doesn't even want to be put in that position. He actually likes what he's doing now. Which is one of the progressions of these characters that I really like to see. We see where Harold is rediscovering his humanity through what he's doing. We even They introduce in this season the idea that he had a girlfriend mm-hmm. at one time. Back in the pre-9-11 days. Right. This artist by the name of Grace. Mm-hmm. And we've been following throughout the last couple of episodes in flashback how this relationship sort of progressed. We know that something terrible happened, but we know that she's still alive because he's been trying to get the urge to contact her again. Because we've seen her near her house. Yeah. Stalking her. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's yeah. stalking her. But it's excellent, well done show. Yeah. Most shows, like I tell people, when a new show comes on and I say, okay, that looks like something I want to watch, I give it three episodes. If it hasn't got me by the third episode, yeah. I quit. But person of interest caught me right from the first episode. I'll be honest I with you, most times I give somebody one episode. I give them the pilot. And if I see it being annoying to me, let's see, last year when I did that Brave Viewed World when I watched all the pilots, yeah, New Girl lasted an episode and a half with me. Right. I ended up... Sticking to the end with Prime Suspect, but that was more out of loyalty to Maria Bello. Yeah, Maria Bello or anything else. But most other shows, I just dropped it to the pub. No, this is really bad. Recently, I made mention of Warehouse 13, and I said I really couldn't get into the show. Because I see this yeah. being nothing more than a high-tech version of, remember the old Friday the 13th show? Yeah. With them looking for the cursed artifacts? Okay, mm-hmm. this is a high-tech version of that. And I gave it a season, and then I said, I can't be bothered with this. Yeah. So somebody on Facebook sent me a private message, and they said to me, you didn't give it long enough. How long do I have 
to give a show. I've devoted 12 hours of my life to a season. You I know. can kind of understand sometimes when somebody say, like, for example, Dollhouse started out with six standalone episodes that were bad. But the thing was, in Josh Whedon's mind, he had to set up the premise. Right. As clearly as possible. Once that seven episode hit, and he stopped making it the assignment of the week, and started talking about the politics of the Dollhouse, and how the Dollhouse came into being, and all this other stuff, and started playing with those ideas, the show became interesting. It was on the bubble for me until that. I remember set. you telling yeah. me, yeah, you were like, kind of, eh, well, so, and then you said, well, it's Josh Whedon, so I'm going to... Giving it a little bit more, yeah. because sometimes you do have to do that to kind of set up the premise of the show, but you run the risk of losing your fan base before the right. fan base can get invested. You knew everything you knew at the pilot with this show. Everything was set up and you knew whether you wanted to see more of it or not. Even small touches like, for example, the fact that it has an actual opening title sequence. Oh, yeah. With Finch telling yeah, you the premise. Says, yeah, the machine says, your number is up, we'll find you. Yeah, you can't find <laughs> us, but if your number is up, we will find you. And you know why I love it? It's such a great throwback to that opening from the yeah. 18. Right. Remember how they used to start the 18? They say, yeah. If you're in trouble and you can find them, you can hire the AAT. No, go ahead. <laughs> and the other thing I like about the opening sequence is that when they get to the part about we find the people in trouble, and then they will always cut to something from that episode. Yeah, that little attention right. to detail. Right. You don't see stuff like that anymore. You can tell that the guys that make these are old school TV fans right. because that's stuff like they used to do. Because nowadays, what happens? You get the, the opening stinger, mm -hmm. then you get five seconds of a graphic and music chord, right, and the title. Created by so-and-so. Right. And then you cut back. You know what I've been watching and enjoying on what? MeTV so much? And I love the way that they always did. Even as a yeah. kid, I loved it. The Wild Wild West. Because remember, before they yes. cut to a commercial, they would do the freeze frame. Right. And they would always end on a cliffhanger. Like it was mm -hmm. a serial that you were watching. And at the end of the show, all four of the different boxes yeah. were scenes from the, the, the episode yeah. we had just been watching. Oh, man. That's the Wild Wild I have no idea why they canceled the show. They want it to be just the story. Because they think that the only thing that interests us is the story. I like the whole package. Yeah. When I watch a TV show like the Wild Wild West, it was mm -hmm. the whole opening credit sequence where he punches out the girl yeah. and he shoots the guy. And it, to me, that's part of the overall enjoyment. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm a, yeah, what I think it is mostly, people don't have the patience for that. Yeah. They don't want credits. They don't want, just give me the show. Just give me the show. But me, I'm like you. Well, you I know like what, the who started this way back in the 80s? Seinfeld. Yeah. Because remember, Seinfeld had a different opening every show because it was Jerry doing a stand-up that would somehow relate to the episode at hand. Mm -hmm. Then they eliminated the stand-up part. It would just start in media res. Yes. And, and then just everybody would decide to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But there was an art to this, and maybe this is another episode somewhere, the art of the TV credit sequence. Because you had many memorable TV shows that started with many memorable opening credit sequences. Matter of fact, I did a whole post on Ferguson mm -hmm. Theater about TV theme songs. I miss TV theme songs. You just don't get those anymore. This is the theme to carry show, the open oh. theme to carry show. This is the music, music that, that you hear while you watch the credits. We're almost halfway through it. How do you like it so far? This is the theme to Gary Shadley show. <laughs> Best TV theme song ever. Right? It says everything and nothing about what you're about it to watch. It tells you everything about what you guys said. This is Gary Shadley. This is the theme song. This is it. 30 seconds. Bing, bang, boom. Gilligan's Island. 
best TV theme song. The whole premise of the show in 30 seconds. Characters and everything. And that's what we get with Person of Interest. With Person of Interest. seconds, we get, this is me. This is my friend. These are the people we work with. This is what we do. This machine finds people in trouble. We, we help, help them. Before they become a statistic. In 30 seconds. Everything you right. need to know about the show. So if you've never seen the show before, you know what you're going to watch. Exactly. See, folks, that's why you have opening credits. I've got to be honest, going back to elementary for a second, that I was very pleased that they actually had an opening credit sequence. It's this giant mousetrap-like device. Mm -hmm. And we follow a ball going through the device. This is elementary. Yeah, this is elementary. Yeah. While the credits are playing. Right. And once again, I said, that, to me, that shows you what this show is supposed to be about. The mm -hmm. puzzle. And as a matter of fact, I keep meaning, I say, yeah, I'm going to start watching Elementary. Because I hadn't watched it. But like what you were saying earlier, and a lot of people have been telling me that, no, this is not like Sherlock. Which I was kind of afraid it was going to be. And yeah, I was said, afraid it was going to be just a no. really bad. And I, I did watch part of one episode. I fell asleep. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I should have recorded it. That was the one where she takes him to a meeting that he goes to. That was probably the same one I watched. The, probably was. The yeah. AA meeting and he picks out this guy. Yeah, yeah. The lawyer the most. Right, yeah. And it turns out he's a good candidate. Because she's looking for a sponsor for him. Right. Since her time is almost up. Yeah, that's the same, yeah, that's the I same one I watched. The other thing I liked was there was the scene with Johnny Lee Miller standing in front of like the seven different TV screens. Mm -hmm. And she's going, can you stop with this racket? And he goes, part of what I need to do is isolate information from many different sources. Right. He explains, this is how I do it. Right. And he turns off all the televisions and starts reciting something. And Watson, played by Lucy Lou, says something like, that's all very clever and all until he turns on the television. And it's... From the Invisible Man, it turns out it is exactly what the next line of dialogue in the movie was. <laughs> it's not as bad as I feared it was going to be. I didn't watch it this week. Maybe when reruns yeah. start in the summer. Well, that's what I'm going to catch, yeah. and I'll wait till they rerun it. So, for somebody who has never seen Person of Interest, yes. what episodes do you think they should watch? Well, the pilot, of, of course. course. Well, First of course, because that leads everything up. I would definitely watch the one that introduces... Uh, Elias. Elias. Definitely watch the one that introduces... Ru Matter of fact, I would watch that whole... That three, whole three yeah, that arc. whole three episode arc. Well, there's also the introduction. The one where Carter number comes up. Okay, this is yeah. the other thing that I love about the show is that we have three separate chase villains. We've got Root, mm -hmm. we've got Elias, we've got HR, and now we've got a fourth villain. Right. This unnamed ex-Black Beret, played by Julian Sands, mm -hmm. who showed up in an episode this season mm -hmm. and told Reese, you fascinate me, we're going to run into each other again. What's his deal? <laughs> I mean, and once again, another reasonable villain because he's arranging for the death of a corporate tycoon. And he's blackmailing a surgeon by threatening to kill her mm -hmm. lesbian wife. When he finds out Reese is on, he calls Reese up and says, I'm over here at this bar. You're going to have a drink with me. It's mm -hmm. like, no, I don't think that's going to happen. Oh, I have about seven different assassins here in mm -hmm. this thing. I will kill her now if you don't have this drink. Yeah. <laughs> and again, like I said, I love the villains on this because a threat always mm -hmm. carries more weight with me when it's delivered in a matter of fact way like that. Because if you can really accomplish something, you don't need to be screaming and yelling and hollering. Listen, you either come have this drink with me or I'm going to kill somebody. Yeah. It's like when Root was holding on to Harold. She said, you need to understand this. And she, again, she yeah. leans in closer and said, if you yell out, if you make a sound, I'm not going to shoot you because that's what you want. 
you don't care about yourself. But I will pick an innocent yeah. person and I, I will, will blow their I brains out. Right. Okay? And Harold is looking at he's like, holy shit, she's crazy. Yeah. But yeah. That's an effective threat. And yeah. the great thing is, we're not counting the Julian Sands character, these three chase villains, their stories constantly intersect and entwine because there's an episode where we first meet Root, where we think that it's HR who's doing it, but it's actually Root working on behalf of HR. Right. The Elias HR storyline constantly, yeah, constantly is intertwined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because they're at odds because Elias wants to run organized right. crime in New York, and HR wants to run organized crime. Their goals are pretty much the same thing. The only difference is that each one of them wants to be in charge. That's all it is. Elias wants to be in charge. HR wants to be in charge. So who do you pick? The cops or the crooks? And I love the episode that occurred recently where Harold actually calls Elias for help. Analyze this. Well, you're going to have to do something for me. And I'm you're thinking, oh, great. He's going to make him release, arrange for him to be released. No. He just wants a regular chess party. Somebody to play chess with, yeah. That he respects and knows will give him a good game. And give him a good game, right. And won't let him win. That, to me, is fascinating. One of the great things about Elias is that he's a guy who doesn't think in immediate terms. See, that's like some Professor Moriarty yeah. shit. <laughs> that's what that's like. No, I just want a chess partner. Yeah, I love the idea that Elias thinks in terms of years. I mean, we learned that when yeah. Elias's initial plan goes off. It's something he'd been planning back when he was a teenager. Yeah, and that's part of what makes him so dangerous. He's patient. And a patient person is content to wait you out. Because they know you're not patient. And they know you're either going to make a mistake or you're just going to stumble because of your impatience. But see, he can see years down the road. And he's saying, I don't care if it's going to take me 25 years to get to this point because I know I'm going to get there. So don't bother me. I can sit back and wait. I can sit in jail. The other thing that I think we've mentioned is that these various, with maybe the exception of HR, but Elias and Root don't bear ill will towards our heroes. No. In the case of Root, it's a genuine, absolute admiration. Mm -hmm. In the case of Elias, respects both of these people. Again, it goes back to the thing. He treats them as professional. Mm -hmm. He knows they're not stupid. He knows they're not idiots. And he knows that the worst thing you can do to any opponent is not respect them. Because if you don't respect them and their talents and what they can do, you're going to screw up. Hell, the Patrick Trennan doctor played on that all the time. Exactly. He was, yeah, when he was acting like the bumbling idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Man, well, we can discount them. But Elias and Root know these guys. They know they're capable. They know what they can do. It would not be very smart to not respect them. Because if you slip up... There were a couple of times where I almost thought that Root had some sort of weird familial slash romantic feelings for Harold because of what he did. No. Yeah, she has things for the machine. Yeah, she's got a a thing for the machine. That's just creepy. If anything, in a weird kind of way, she worships Harold because of what he was able to do. She wishes she could do that. Yeah, seriously. That's why she worships That's probably what I was picking up. Right, because she wishes she could do that. Yeah. Because if she could have created that machine, she would have did it. She would have had little machine babies on her. Look at how we're talking about these two minor characters for so long on this episode. Even like the character, I don't remember the character's name, the stockbroker character. Yeah, the stockbroker. Who yeah. it looks like he's being set up to be the next yeah, I think, satellite. Yeah, I think they're going to bring him back. I well, they've already done it once. Yeah, he's going to be part he of the team. He was introduced in the, the season opener. He's going to be part of the team. Which is called the contingency for this season. And he shows up again in that episode. But again... 
That's what makes this show so good. All of the characters are fascinating. It's not just our two main characters, Harold and Reese. Every character in this show is fascinating, and we want to know more about them, right. and we want to keep seeing them. And that's why I think personal interest has made such... You know, so I have not run across a single person yet who has seen personal interest, yeah. who didn't like it. Patricia came down here one night, I was watching it, and she had never seen the show before. And she came downstairs and sat down, because we're in my basement, right. folks, and me and Patricia Tom sees them. We've got... Two recliners in front of the TV. Right. She said, well, what's this person of interest? And she says, oh. And she's watching it, and then we get to the commercial. And then she starts asking me questions about, well, who's this? Who's that? Who's this? Who's that? And I'm telling her more and more about it, so we finish watching right. that episode. She said, you have any more of these? I said, yeah, I got about four or five episodes on DVR. You know, she watched all of them that oh same goodness. day. Yeah. Wow. She fell in love with the show. She said, how come you didn't tell me about this? I said, I thought you weren't interested. I, I, I didn't think you were. She said, oh, this is a suit shooting people. Yeah, she said, oh, this is good. Yeah, but nobody I know on, on the Pulp Factory, there was a lengthy debate and discussion about this show and about how pulpy it was and its roots in different various pulp characters and pulp tropes and right. idioms and whatever else you want to say. It's really just an excellent show, and I can't recommend it enough. I think we're safe to say the pilot. Yes. I would say Get Carter, which is the episode Get Carter, yeah. About, where Carter kind of is being protected, and this is, begins where Carter figures out. Right. That's why I recommend because this is the one where she starts to put things together, and it's an episode that spotlights her right. character. Witness the first Elias episode. Yes. Absolutely. Um, I'm looking for the name of the first episode that introduces Zoe. We haven't really talked much about Zoe. We get the impression that she is supposed to be Reese's romantic interest. His person of interest. His person of interest. Yeah. Played by Paige Turco. The thing, of course, is that she's a political fixer. She's Mr. Wolf. Yeah. She's the person you call in when you screw something up. When you screwed up really badly, you call her in to fix it for you. Any way she can, don't matter how. Just get it done. Yeah. She's a purely Five times at And about point. five or six episodes. Five yeah. or six episodes. Yeah. The most recent one being the one, The High Road, where they have to go undercover as husband and wife. Yeah, so I think that it's safe to say that she's a support. She's also another candidate for somebody that's going to be part of the well, team. I think she he, is. I think at yeah. this point yeah. she is because in The Buried Lead, which is the episode where he's protecting the news reporter, he was in danger because of something that she discovered about a political candidate, mm -hmm. which ties into the HR storyline, right. actually, to kind Kind of sell Reese as a desirable man because he pretends to be a guy who's looking for on an online dating service and mm -hmm. they have a date. Harold calls Zoe in to come by and she has, as Harold explains, the best way to get a woman interested is to show that other women are interested. Are interested, yeah. <laughs> it's true. You know when I had the most women yep. chasing me? When? When I got engaged. Once I got engaged, women who had never paid attention to me, but now all of a sudden, oh, you and I should go out for a drink. Well, I asked you six times before, and six times you told me to go get stuff. Why is it different now? And then when I told Patricia about it, she said, oh, because you got engaged. You got a ring right. on your finger. I said, really? She said, yeah. Women do it all the time. I think we both agree we would recommend the three-part story arc that begins with Firewall, goes through the contingency, and ends with Bad Code. Matter of fact, watch the entire first season of Personal mm -hmm. Interest. If if you're not hooked by then, then you can leave it alone. I guarantee you, you'll get hooked. I told you, Patricia right. watched four episodes and she was hooked. Just watch the first season. Okay. Watch it. Trust me. But this is what you need, NBC and Fox. You and need Fox. A show whose producers know where they're going with strong writing, strong cast, and what's more important, you leave them alone. Okay? No bringing in the showrunner of Chuck or the showrunner of Gossip Girl. 
And for those of you who are concerned about such things, you will be pleased to know that personal interest has what I call action, but it doesn't yeah. have excessive violence. It has just enough violence to support the story mm -hmm. and what it's doing. It's not graphic. It's not grotty. It's, it's not. It's, it's what I call action. Reese's fight scenes tend to be very brutal but very short. Yeah, they're short. I mean, they I love the fact that I don't kill people, but I'll kneecap them. Yeah, there's that. I, that's that's uh, that. The thing is, we've used the BIT autopsy to bitch and bitch and bitch. Right. This is an example of a show that is working for us. Yes, it is. As long as it continues on the way it has been continuing on, I'm mm -hmm. in for the whole ride. I'm going to watch Person of Interest every week. It's one of the few shows that I will actually watch at the time it yeah. airs, as opposed to how I watch 90% of TV. I DVR and I watch yeah, it later yeah. on. There's so much ahead. We know that Root is coming. Well, Root is going to come back, yes, yeah, sooner or later. Root because is... she's going to make another try at finding out where the machine is. And Elias is. is ever present. In fact, he's name checked quite a bit. In but the you know the thing episode. about Elias? The thing about it is that Elias is and really what they do. They're involved with helping other people. So as long as Elias is going to stay over there and he don't bother them, yeah. they're not going to mess with him. Mm -hmm. They would only do that if it came up in conjunction with a number that come up that's got some connection to him. See, I think I can see what's going to happen mm -hmm. because you have not seen the most recent episode. No, I haven't seen it. And I'm yet. not going to say anything. Okay. But something developed in the most recent episode which was called COD which kind of indicates that Elias, their past are going to cross for a very concrete reason. Yeah, oh, I'm sure it is. You don't create a bad guy that good and that then is, you're not using I'm not lying. This is one of the best villains I've seen on television in a long, in a long, 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 long time. And the best thing is about him, like I said, he seems so reasonable. On a lot of levels, he's a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I think they had to spend that whole episode, Witness, leading us to believe that he is who he says he is in mm -hmm. the beginning of that episode. Because then that thing hits you like a gut punch when you realize... When oh you realize God, who he is. This yes. is the guy that, that we've been looking for. <laughs> That's it. So as you know, we're going to go straight to just a little bit of an advertisement for our writing. Before we do that, this episode, as we've mentioned before, since you people have been stand up and all, mm -hmm. and are coming forward and giving us some donation money, from now on, every episode is going to be produced by two people. Is this Paul Spataro here? I think so. Assuming that's Paul Spataro. Yeah, okay, Mark Buscetta yeah. and Mark Spataro. Yeah. There we go. Mark. So this episode of Veteran the Dark has been produced by Paul Spataro and Mark Busquette. There we go. Thank you, gentlemen. And like we said, every episode we will be mentioning whoever as producer. And we will be doing a Stud Point Five episode where we read some of these, because there's some really great letters. Yes, we've gotten some very nice letters and notes from all of you, and when me and Tom meet again, we're going to do a special point five where we are going to read the letters in their entirety right. and comment on them, and thank you. So, before we go to the pre-recorded dingus, yes, just want to direct you to some places where our writing is going to be found. Tom's movie reviews can be found at Damn Your Ears, Damn Your Eyes, 10 Statements, about where Tom, in 10 witty, prolific statements, sums up 
whatever movie that he's seen, and this is really some good writing. I know you say, well, that's his friend. He's got to say that. Yeah. No, having written movie reviews myself, sometimes you sit there and you agonize about how to describe mm -hmm. a movie. Right. For a guy to be able to tell you about a movie in ten lines, you got to have well, some kind of talent. Sometimes I agonize over those ten lines. And Derek can be found at the Ferguson Theater, ripping up tickets and inviting you in for his views on some great movies. Yes, you go there, you see all kinds of reviews, and just go there and have a good time. Okay. There are three publishers that we would like you to check out. Pulpworks Press. Pulpworks Press, home of Dylan. Home and 2013 is the year of Dylan. Yes, it is, because that's the 10th anniversary of the publication of Dylan and the voice of Odin, the first Dylan novel. By the time you listen to this, Dylan... And the voice of Odin will no longer be available for sale, but that's yeah. only because there's going to be a brand new edition right. coming out in 2013. Slightly rewritten, not really substantial. The only substantial thing I'm going to do, remember the short story that I did that was part of, oh, forgot to mention that. Dylan and the Escape from Tosegio is going to be in All-Star Pope Comics number two. Which is why, of course, he's on the cover. He's going to be on the cover with Igor's well, make let, 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 Let's wait until we get to Airship 27 to talk about that. Okay, so we'll course, do that, since okay. that is the Airship 27 project. That's but, Airship 27 project. There we go. This is something that's been nagging me, and I've always been meaning to ask you. Okay. Wasn't Dylan the star of your Blackhawk mini that you did for DC Legends? No. Okay. You want to hear the story? Let's hear the story. Okay. Fortune McCall was... Originally, Blackhawk fan fiction. He was the leader of a new team of Blackhawks. It was a whole... I remember reading the first issue. Yeah. But that's how Fortune McCall actually started out. Okay. Blackhawk fan fiction. He was the new Blackhawk. And he had been handpicked by the Blackhawk created by Howie Chaikin, Janos Prohaska. Right. Who, in my fan fiction, was the second Blackhawk. Right. The original Blackhawk had passed it on to Janos Prohaska, right. who then passed it on to Fortune McCall. Actually, the name of the series was Blackhawk International. Right. By this time, Blackhawk International was a worldwide mm -hmm. corporation with all over things, and Fortune McCall worked out of an aircraft carrier. Right. They had their own personal aircraft carrier. So, when it came time for me to rework Fortune McCall into an original character, because people have been telling me, this character is really good. Right. You ought to do it as an original character. So, when Tommy Hancock came to me with the idea for Sovereign City, I asked Tim Hart, could you take that down because I'm going to rework this character right. into an original thing, and he was good enough to do so. So don't go looking for Black Hole International because right. you're not going to find it. <laughs> but yeah, but that's what it was. Okay. But no, Dylan was always an original character right from the start. Dylan goes back to remember Frontier Publishing. Yep, I remember. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's where he first appeared at. It was a serialized. Oh, yes, that I do remember. Yeah, Voice of Odin was a serialized novel. Every month there was a different chapter, and then when it was all done, done we, put, we it put, together, put it together as a book. That, yeah, that computer generated cover, and that's it. So now the plan is. That now the Dylan books, because they're going to be standardized, folks. Right. They're going to look like part of a series. And that's what's going to happen. I've already got a new logo. Right. I'm talking to a couple of artists right now. One of them, a very big name, mm -hmm. which you'll know pretty soon if things go the way I hope. And there's an audio book in the works, hopefully. I right. uh, can't talk too much about that because contracts have not been right. signed. Hand, hands have not been shaken. Gifts have mm -hmm. not been exchanged. There you go. <laughs> 
But yeah, there's going to be a new website. I'm going to hook up a brand new Dylan website. Well, there's a comic book store. We're going to get to right. that in a little while. And also, there's possibly going to be merchandising. Ooh. Mouse pads. Dylan lighters. Yeah. T-shirts. Why is that the first thing I thought of? I have no idea, Tom. <laughs> the way your mind... I don't even have cigarettes. Light? Yeah, you don't Why do smoke. I need a lighter? You don't even smoke. You'd be surprised how many people carry lighters who don't yeah. smoke. Yeah, that just would be a cool thing to have. Well, yeah, a Dylan lighter. Why not? I'd have one. Oh, also, and Pulper Press is the home of many other fine volumes yes. written by Joe Jenkins and Joshua Reynolds, so. who is tearing up the world these days working for Black Library. Oh, and also, let's not forget Percival Constantine's oh, yeah, Myth yeah. Hunter character. Yeah, too. his Myth Hunter character. Matter of fact, I have notes right now in my computer for a crossover with Dylan and his Myth Hunter character. Okay. I've written out the first scene. I have no idea where it's going to go from here. It's a motorcycle chase on the Great Wall of China. <laughs> That's what I got so yeah. far. Okay. <laughs> and from there, of course, we go to Pro Se Press. Yeah. Tommy Hancock's imprint. Yeah, woo! The home of Sovereign City, where Fortune McCall hangs his hat just Along. a couple of miles outside in the coastal waters. Along with Lazarus Gray, created and written by Barry Reese. And soon we will be joined in Sovereign City by Tommy Hancock's Doc Day, as well as a new character. Dow Jones. Right. And also, Barry Reese has got another character, Gravedigger. Well, also, there have been a number of kind of satellite characters, like your Penelope Lash. That's yeah. Portia McCall. And quite frankly, I'm having a lot of fun with Horatio Ross mm-hmm. in the one story that I'm working on for the first Dow Jones book. Okay. So I could see him going off and having his own adventures. Oh, yeah. Well, hopefully, sooner or later, these characters yeah. are going to be crossing back and forth because you asked me about maybe. Tao Jones coming aboard yeah. Fortune's gambling ship. Right. So that's going to be done. I have written a story already where Lazarus Gray and Fortune McCall actually do meet for the first time. Okay. So that story's been done and it's mm-hmm. going to be in the second Fortune, uh, McCall, Fortune McCall book. Uh, but I'm kind of stalled on that right now because I'm actually thinking about expanding that into a novel. Okay. I originally was going to do four stories like in the first one. Right. I could see where I could expand it and it could become okay. a much bigger deal. But I have to contact Barry about that and see what, well, would you mind if I did this or did that? Yeah. Did that. We'll see. Yonder lies the promised yes. land. <laughs> and finally, of course, it's time to salute Mr. Ron Fortier of Airship 27, home of, among other things, All-Star Pulp Comics number two, mm-hmm. which features, this is the second Dylan comic story, correct? No, this is the first one. The first one was actually published. Dylan and the Escape from Tsegia was actually published in Frontier Publishing Presents number, number one. one. A series of, let me think, one, one. comics. Right. It was done many, 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 many years ago. You have a copy, don't you? Yes, I do. Son. Right, somewhere. Okay. Because I have about 10 or 12 copies. Yeah. If anybody's interested in having one, just email me and let me know. You don't even have to pay for it. Just send me your address and I'll yeah. send it to you if you're interested. But I would much rather that you wait for also Hope Comics yes. 2 and get that and one. buy it, yes. Because yes. of the cover, if nothing else. William Mignot. And people go, who? William Mignot co-created a comic book series that both Derek and I were very, very fond of when we were younger. The DNA Agents. Oh, yeah. With Mark Evaner. Yeah. He did this beautiful cover. And also, 
In addition to a Dylan story, you're going to get the Domino Lady story. Yeah, I, did you? I right. collaborated on with my good friend Michelle Shudo. Well, you haven't seen the artwork yet. It's, no, I haven't. It's black and white mm-hmm. with, a, with a silver wash. Uh-huh. It looks like a black and white movie. Wow. It's beautiful. This is going to be a hell... Beautiful. This man. is going to be a hell of a book. book. So you guys be on the lookout for that. But you don't have to be on the lookout for the... Trust me, we're going to tell you about oh, it over, over and over, over, and over, and over, and over again. Plus, of course, Airship 27 is one of the co-publishers of The Vril Agenda, which is going to be forthcoming, a crossover between Dylan and Jim Anthony. And the classic Jim Anthony. The Jim Anthony section of the book has been written by Joshua Reynolds, mm-hmm. who has written... To date, he's written two or he, three Jim Anthony. Really? Yeah, he's the Jim Anthony guy. He really likes that character. But for a character that started out being a clone of Doc Savage, Mm -hmm. he's really done a lot with that character, and he's made it his own. And he's really made it different. And it's really interesting. One of the things that I'm really enjoying about writing it is that I'm writing him as an older guy. He's retired. What he does now is that he just consults strictly. And then he gets caught up in this adventure because Dylan comes to him and says, well, listen, I'm looking for certain people to train me. And there's one part in the book I'm going to give it away where he gives him a list. And he Mm -hmm. said, well, these are some of the people that I want to train. And Jim is running down the list. And just by what he says, you know he's talking about, he says, well, he's not going to train you because he doesn't even live in the country anymore. He married a Mayan princess and he retired to South America. So you know he's talking about. Then he goes to another guy and says, no, well, he's not going to help you. Why not? Well, he's crazy. Even his wife doesn't even know if he's still alive anymore. And you know what he's talking about. And then he goes to another, well, what about him? Well, don't. Stay away from him. Well, why? What about him? Listen, just stay away from him. (laughs) He's crazy. I know that there's another person on that list that you and I have to collaborate on. What's that? There's another character on the list that he wants training from. Mm-hmm. That you and I have always talked about doing the story together about. Well, who's that? El Vengador. Oh, yeah. He's on the list, too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But the other characters that's on the list that you're is, of course, Doc Savage, Savage The Shadow, yeah. and The Spider. Right. And The Avenger. I make mention because mm-hmm. he said, well, what about him? He said, oh, no, well, he retired. He bought a small island, and he doesn't want to be bothered with anybody anymore. He just stays by himself. He's a recluse, even though right. I make mention, they said, well, his aides, they're still doing his job, but he doesn't want to be bothered. It's a lot of fun writing all of these different pulp characters. They're interesting, and I like the concept of a new pulp hero going to a classic yeah. pulp hero and saying, listen, could you train me? It's a way of linking the two eras. So I'm having fun with it. You are going to see it in 2013, folks. Trust me. Right. And also, of course, coming in 2013 will be Shadow Legion New Roads to Hell. The first in a series of books featuring an entirely new superhero universe. And I have read it already, and I'm telling you right now, folks, this is going to rock. And And I'm not just saying that because Tom's my friend. If anybody, if Joe Blow had written this, I would say, (laughs) yeah, it's going to rock. Seriously, it's that good. And I'm also working on what is going to be the second book, which is actually the the short story collection, Shadow Legion Casebook Volume 1, of which you have read the first completed story. Mm -hmm. There's other things I'm working on, which we will not mention. But I think Shadow Legion, that's going to be something. That's going to be up for all kinds of awards. Well, first thing first, let's get it out first. wrong with hoping to get an award. It would be nice. Have one of those little wooden plaques for my little hovel. Yeah, you see, I got mine yeah, upstairs. I, I saw it. You see, I got mine upstairs. Hey, now, did they did they sent you the wrong one originally, right? Oh, you know what that was? No, what? that one is the Pulp Ark Award upstairs, but mm-hmm. the Pulp Factory 
Okay. Has the other ones. I was mistakenly sent the one for Charles Saunders. Right. He won for Dombala. Oh, I felt so. I didn't tell you what happened. No. They sent it to me by mistake. So mm-hmm. I contacted Ron and Rob Davis, who is the designer right. of the award, and he fabricates them. And I says, oh, my God. I said, I got Charles' award. And they said, okay, well, could you send it to him? Mm-hmm. I said, sure, no problem. So I gave it to Patricia because she said she was mm-hmm. going to the post office. She said that right. she would mail it for me. Okay, after about two or three weeks, Charles emails me and he says, Listen, I don't want to be a pain about this, but I haven't got my award yet. And I said, Patricia, well, what happened to the award? She said, Oh my God. And in a corner upstairs yeah. with all the other packages, it was right. still there. Okay. I contact Charles, usually apologize, let Rob know what's going on. I take the package to the post office. Instead right. of doing what Patricia told me, she said, No, take it to FedEx or UPS right. and ship it. I said, Nah, I'll take it to the post office. It'll be all right. Mail it out. Two weeks later, Charles emails me again. He says, I think I've been patient more than impatient. I still haven't got my award. The damn thing got lost in the mail. Oh, my God. So I just contacted Rob and Ron, told them what happened. I said, listen, yeah. I'll pay for it. It doesn't matter. Please, could you get this man his right. award? That's what happened. <laughs> Fortunately, Charles didn't hold it against me. He said, no, listen, I understand. Things happen. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Because mm-hmm. I was, as you know, in what reverence I hold that man. Right. And the fact that I lost his award, I was sick for like two or three days. But thank God he's got it now. Charles, if you listen to this again, buddy, my apologies. Ron, my apologies. Rob, my apologies. I apologize to everybody. <laughs> I guess you guys never knew what and drama goes on behind yeah. the scenes. <laughs> and there's lots of other stuff coming from Airship 27. Yeah, we got some. It's gonna be cool. By the way, speaking of elementary, yeah, if any of you guys out there, and I'm sure many of you are, are Sherlock Holmes fans, you should be advised that Airship Seven publishes a fine Sherlock Holmes consulting detective anthologies. Mm-hmm. I think they're on the third or fourth right. one by now. And if you're a Sherlock Holmes fan, by all means, you should be picking these up as well. Mm-hmm. They're well worth the reading. I've only read the first one. I haven't read the others in the things yet, but as a Sherlock Holmes fan, yes, right. they're worth reading. So that's it. So yeah, remember, when your number's up, you're not going to be able to find us, but we will be able to podcast to you. Yeah. And until then, go watch that TV show. It's watching you. <laughs> Good night, God bless. It is. Little blinking eye. <laughs> so you want to let us know how much you like Better in the Dark, huh? And you do like us, right? Here's what you do. Email us at betterinthedark at earth2.net. That's betterinthedark at earth-2.net. You can join the Better in the Dark Facebook page by searching for Better in the Dark on Facebook and asking to join. You can follow both Derek and myself and our individual Facebook pages to learn all about the facts to need to know about the both of us. And you can read the Ferguson Theater and Damn Your Ears, Damn Your Eyes if you want more filmic musings. You know what else will prove you love us? Send us money. <laughs> Send checks, money order, filthy lucre, or cash, we accept cash, box to Myrtle Sporting Goods, shekels, care of... Thomas DJ. Dollars. 5716 Myrtle Avenue. Ridgewood, New York. 11385. The Blooms. Make all checks payable to Derek Ferguson and make all money orders payable to Thomas DJ. Cash. It comes in green. It goes with everything. Or you can contribute by the PayPal link we have at betterinthedarksite.com. You have one click and then you're done and you can give us money there. There you go. If you send us a contribution, you will be named a producer on an upcoming episode. And the best part of it, no minimum whatsoever. No minimum, no maximum. Send whatever you like. 
So come on, stand up, get involved, be counted, share your love, and don't forget to go watch that movie! I thought you didn't like guns. You know, sometimes you have to do things you don't like. Like teaching history of the children of your enemies? Three years I watched them cleaning up after the children of those pigs. It's a good amount of time to learn what makes your enemies tick or makes them weak. You've been listening to Better in the Dark, featuring Thomas E.J. and Derek Ferguson. Special thanks go out to Alyssa, Deeps, and Derek of the Big Red Podcast, Scott and Tom of Autopilot, Mark and Ian of Dude and a Monkey, Eric Froman, of course, all the lovely members of the Better in the Dark Facebook page. Better in the Dark once created an artificial intelligence, but all it did was rant about comic book writers and sing. <laughs> Didn't get Amy Acker's attention at all. Send all comments, praise, hate mail, love letters, and pipe bombs to Better in the Dark at Earth2.net. That's Better in the Dark at Earth-2.net. Please vote for us on Podcast Alley, and why not leave a review of us on iTunes? Hey, maybe you can even visit the Better in the Dark Central site at www.betterinthedarksite.com. And don't forget to check out all the amazing music available at www.beehyphen.com. Better in the Dark is a Conspiracy Productions presentation in association with the Earth2.net community of podcasts. All material copyright Thomas E.J. and Derek Ferguson. Until next time, remember that if you tell us to lose weight, Kelly Clarkson will give you a good thumping. Which, come to think of it, might be what some of you guys want. Congrats on the engagement, Kelly! When I finish up, I'm afraid to wash my hair. Cause I might open my eyes and play.